Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome, my friends, to episode 141 of Agitators Anonymous podcast. I'm Alan Averill, your hostess with the leastest, and all that kind of thing. Welcome to another new year. A friend of mine uh, pointed out to me in my last podcast that I stated, wow, it's been two years since I've been doing this. Uh huh, it ain't. It's coming up on three. Well, yes. Obviously, I lost a year in my calculations somewhere there. So that podcast, that last one, was pretty serious, pretty dark, a pretty grim one. Looking back at some of the geopolitics, looking back at some of the social and cultural issues of the last year, um, like I said, um, it's what every self-respecting, normal, middle-aged, white male doing a podcast does, looks back over the year and then makes prognostications and prevarications and procrastinations and all the other P nations. Um, And so this one is going to be a bit about music. I'm looking back over the year at a couple of kind of maybe um, thoughts about what might be coming ahead in the next year. Um, Some curious things that happened to me. Um, Some things that took me by surprise. Some faults that I can uh, openly admit to in my... um, Abilities to listen to new music, all sorts of things like that. So, um, without further, what did I say? Procrastination? Yes, indeed. Um, let's start episode 141. You can follow me on Nemtheanga underscore primordial, primordial underscore official. Um, but goddamn, isn't Instagram becoming more and more like TikTok every day? Ooh, ooh. Clearly turning into a uh, poison factory for your attention span. It's pretty clear that my end of year top 20, uh, which was a video over my YouTube channel, um, got way, way, way more views than a normal podcast um, and has people telling me, oh, you should do video ones all the time. Like this should be a video cast, which would just make me officially a YouTuber, which I was, I'm not sure quite yet that I want to run for Congress. Um, we'll see if that will happen. Um, but for sure, um, becoming a sort of... Um, micro tv presenter wasn't quite on my list of things to do but here we are in year three and maybe it's the way ahead 
I might make a few predictions here and there about where the music industry is going, um, a few things that might be happening. Um, I'm not going to go all, Putin won't invade the Ukraine mainstream media style on it, but, um, you know, those kind of things might be declared misinformation on certain platforms, but I might make a couple of little predictions um, over the next, however long this particular rant lasts for. But if you've been with me here from the start, I would thank you for your continued patronage. You can go over, actually, to patreon.com slash alnaval if you want to support the show and take part in some of the other nonsense um, that goes on there. Some pretty cool conversations going on. All that kind of stuff. Um, today's podcast is, a, like I said, a look back at the music industry or where the lay of the land for a musician in a middling, in a middling um, not quite famous, definitely now past their peak middle-aged metal band, who has, it must be said, been feeling old and creaky deep in their joints for many years. Uh, that's us, by the way. That is the primordial. Oh, and if you're looking for a little primordial update, we are rehearsing to make a new album in the coming months. Um, people say to me, oh, it's been almost five years since the last one, and I go, no, it's actually been two. The two we lost... Um, because we opened the cupboard and went into Narnia or whatever. I don't really count. But yes, we are making a new album. So some observations from um, an almost famous metal musician. Is that the right way to say it? No, probably even that is an exaggeration, my friends. Well, first things first, I guess, is goddamn, there's a lot of music out there right now, isn't there? There's so many albums um, some of you, as I said, may have seen my Metal Albums of the Year video podcast. Um, and today I just came across the new Psy album. Um, you can go way, way back to the start of Agitators Anonymous to hear a very funny story about um, our first tour in the UK back in 94, I think, was with Psy and some of the hilarity that ensued. So Psy always have a special place within my heart. And this new album, very impressive, might have made it into my top 20 list if I'd I found the time and space to get into it before making that video. But how does one keep up? How does one keep up with the slew of music? It just seems to be relentless. Somebody said to me that, oh, those, there was at least 500 death metal albums released last year. Um, just opening Death Forever now, for example, which is, the, you know, arrives in my mailbox once every month. It almost makes my head spin, not just the the amount of reviews, and um, which is nothing compared to Legacy magazine in Germany, which used to be like a phone book when it would arrive uh, through the mail. it would You'd hear a thunk as it came through the door in my old, old house, which we used to share, and you go, oh, Legacy has arrived. Um, and the reviews were just endless and relentless. And you thought, how the fuck can I keep up with all of these al albums? And that was 10 or 15 uh, years ago. But there's just so much music. I mean, it's great to see on, on, on the one hand, because so much of it, when I actually finally get around to penetrating it and absorbing some of it, is really, really great and shows me that the underground metal scene um, is full of interesting and exciting and valuable bands that we need to try and discover. But they're all pushing and shoving in this in a smaller and smaller space. Um, and so trying to sort of... Um, as I said, penetrate and absorb that, it becomes more and more difficult. But how can we keep up? And um, like I said, when I was asked to do my top 20 for Death Forever, I was totally unprepared. I had to go, Jesus, it seems like I only just made a top 20 for the previous year. And I somehow had lost a year already. And they were asking me, what is your top 20 for this year? And again, like I said, totally unprepared. Um, I've made a big effort 
I'm going to say this is a, some sort of positive kind of thing. Um, I'm not a New Year's resolution podcast kind of guy, but I've made a big effort in the last few months to try and play more music, to try and sit there and absorb things like I used to be able to, to turn off the voices I listen to via podcast, because I do genuinely believe, even though the irony that you're sitting here listening to me talking, is that podcasts are kind of, in a way, killing music or at least killing the album concept because what happens is is I think people are fully able to listen to a full form one two three hour sometimes even chat between people um, and sit um, I think it's because they're able to multitask and do other things at the same time and dip in and out of a long form conversation but it also speaks to the atomization of society and the inherent loneliness that sometimes people can feel that they wake up and whereas I used to wake up and put on music I wake up and I play a podcast first and I'm constantly day to day surrounded by voices coming from machines telling me this so even sleeping to voices now all that kind of thing and it's not a positive trend and I've been trying to reverse it a small bit like I said my album of the year which was Death Spell Omega The Long Defeat I bought on vinyl months and months ago in a black metal uh, record shop in Paris and it just sat there looking at me in fact I can see it right now as I just turn my head to the right um, and there it is sitting at the front of the you know generally when I buy vinyls now I have um, about 20 or 30 or 40 that sit um, out of the you know the um, A to Z's let's say that and they are the to-be-listened-to pile, and they gradually, I sort of work my way through them. And for months, it sat there, and I didn't listen to the bloody record. And then I thought, what the fuck? Did I just purchase this as an ornament? Which, sadly, I think an awful lot of people do. Or they just purchase the ornament and then just stream it through Spotify. Um, you know, but that's a completely different argument. And I just thought, what are you doing? Get into listening to this record. And so I made time and listened to this over and over and over again in a way that I used to because I feel that I was totally losing my grasp on um, new music and you know you end up going oh it's going to take too much of my mental space I'm just going to pick out something that I've loved for 20 or 30 or 40 years which is um, a kind of it's like a fallback a fallback and move when you reach a certain age. I think you just go, oh, you know, I think I would, might just want to hear Seasons in the Abyss or Rust in Peace or whatever one more time. But New Year's, resol New Year's resolution is to make more and more time for new music and turn off the voices. Um, did I fall out of music a little bit during lockdown? Um, it's certainly possible. I've alluded to that on other podcasts. Um, but I think it's time to start to reclaim that and also to start writing music again. And hey, let's put reading physical books into that paradigm. Go and buy one from your local bookstore. Again, owning nothing and being happy. What can make you happier? What can make one happier than turning the pages of a book or checking out the liner notes on a vinyl? Not much. Maybe putting a free kick in the stanchion from 30 yards, but that's for a different podcast. Owning physical things. Reading is a small revolt against the way of the modern world, as they say. So I think a New Year's resi is going to have to be getting back into listening to more music and making space for more music. And that's not just when you're traveling and you have headphones on, but to be able to try and sit on the couch, take your medicine, be penitent and put the needle on the record and try and get all 1970s on it and think to myself, well, what would I have done in 1974? I would have been listening to Dark Side of the Moon um, and I don't know, smoking a joint and absorbing the whole record. 
Um, not that I condone that kind of thing, of course. But getting back into listening to more and more music, I think should be something definitely um, I'm going to do for the next year. Well, so what happened during this last year? Well, I guess where we'll start with is that gigs returned um, after lockdown. There was, of course, a few gigs here and there at the end of the previous year. Depending on your country, it was where you were along the um, road of evolution back into reclaiming some of these things. Uh, Ireland was pretty slow on the uptake. But um, there was some gig the previous summer and early winter. But touring and festival season, again, was more or less completely disrupted for the duration of the pandemic. But more than that, gigs did come back. But things felt a little bit different, didn't they? We have to kind of admit that. Now, how easily we adapted our modes of behavior. Um, Now, of course, for someone like me who wants to constantly travel um, and move and play music or whatever, this was something, of course, of a nightmare. If you've been listening to Agitators Anonymous, you know as much. Um, I didn't see it all as a nice break from things as some people did because I was always unsure, well, is it going to come back? Is it going to come back the same way? And and who could be blamed for having those thoughts? But if you've been listening to the podcast, I can't imagine this is your first one, right? Well, if it is, welcome. Um, Then you'll know my feelings about lockdown and all of that. Doesn't really need saying anymore. Um, Although I probably will say it. Um, But musicians were in a quandary. They were in a quandary. And let's discuss this because it's the kind of thing that not many podcasts discuss because I think they just don't want to tread in this area. But the quandary was, do you get vaccinated or do you not? Um, Even if you aren't in the risk category or whatever, you may have your opinions about the vaccination, all that kind of stuff. But you just simply don't want to put something in your body you feel unsure of or something you feel goes against your human rights to bodily autonomy. Now, maybe you feel that's irresponsible or maybe within the band, there are some people who disagree about this. This is part of the question. This is the question that was swilling around in everybody's minds. And it's a complex one. So from a musician's perspective, there was, um, you know, a decision to be made. And because at some stage at the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, it sort of looked like your career uh, might be over. And this was a genuine concern. Well, you know, seeing as this is a podcast from a musician's perspective, um, and it could be very well the same for you if you're a nurse, perhaps listening to this. But the concern, as we all chatted amongst ourselves, the crews, the drivers, other musicians, the sound and lights people, venues and um, whoever, was that everyone in the industry at the time had to make a call. Uh, the freedom to continue on their chosen profession did seem to depend on being vaccinated or not. Now, personally, I think personally, I think the um, you know the carrot and the stick, the carrot of freedom um, to the stick of um, coercion is how I kind of look at it. But many people who um, who need to travel for a living were left with a kind of stark choice, as opting out felt like you were ending your career. Um, of course, it remains to be seen whether the digital ID, scanning of QR codes, style technology dormant not only in your phone but in society at large will come back but many musicians were faced with a kind of um, a sort of complex decision because if you fundamentally um, disagreed with what was happening or the principle or you just had some questions or you just wanted to take some time to sort of see how things would develop which I think was your um, your particular right it looked like if you were going to take that time out you were not going to be able to proceed um, with you know traveling and making music I'm not discussing this because I'm anti this or anti that or anything else, just that it was a, um, there was some mental arithmetics going on. There was some decision making 
to be had. And that was, I think, what came across most musicians' mind at the end of last year and the start of this year, as we waited to see how things would unfold. Do you comply in order to go back to work, or do you kind of stay out in the cold and see what happens? Now, as it happens, for those who did stay out in the cold, for people who did not want to take uh, the medicine, a bit of patience was required. And I have to admit, to my surprise, proof of anything to travel fell away. And even now, apparently a friend just messaged me to say, hey, no one asked for anything, just landed in New York City on a recent trip to Canada. Proof of anything had been dropped. Speaking of Canada, it was the first time in a long time that we'd played outside of Europe, actually. Um, First time in a couple of years in North America, and uh, it was such an overwhelmingly positive experience that it kind of reminded you that, oh yeah, God damn it, we dropped the ball on playing in North America for all those years, for however many reasons. And that sometimes you just settle into your geographical comfort zone, you just tour around the same places. And I think that at a band who've been around as long as we are, um, it was very heartwarming and heartening and encouraging to go, oh yeah, there's still some people in some other countries where you've got to f- take a few more hours out of your life to get there. And that was um, incredibly rewarding and that was really uh, a kind of one of the positive and highest points of the whole year as far as the band was concerned. And sort of said to us all, you know what, it's okay, transatlantic flights, strap in, let's go. Um, because there are people there who have not seen the band in such a long time. So I would say that playing um, in North America again, Canada to the Pacific, was one of the uh, most definite high points of the year. And so musicians were in, uh, I think, a quandary. Maybe not the same quandary as I've just expressed there, but they were in a quandary which was, like many people, um, they acquiesced to what was demanded of them in order to um, access freedoms again. For many people, it wasn't necessarily a medical decision. That was the reasons that they were doing things. So to be clear, I think that the, you know, musicians in the industry felt that it really had no choice. And Promoidal did a tour back in, um, was it March? And I think in hindsight, the timing was about as perfect as it could be. Only one venue kicked up a fuss about testing beforehand and had sort of very strange situation with sort of dirty tents outside and clearly untrained, unprofessional staff carrying things in and out of said venue to these tents. And look, it was clearly just a racket to charge everyone who had bought a ticket who was entering an extra, whatever it was, five or 10 euro um, to do the test. I mean, it was super clear. And I think that was in microcosm um, an example of many of the things that were happening. But... um, They were insisting on all sorts of stuff. Answers on a postcard uh, as to which country that was in. However, this tour happened before the Putin invasion and before the energy crisis really kicked into gear. Um, But, you know, one day before, one week before the tour started, the bus became 300 euro more per day, more expensive. And then all sorts of other additional costs and it began to spiral. But... Um, it was clear that we were be we as a band, as musicians, were being price gouged. Everyone was going, well, look, we haven't made anything either for two, two and a half years, so everything has gone up. And, of course, then your bottom line as a musician goes, becomes lower and lower and lower. And sadly, this is when you see the industry doesn't work in cooperation with its moving parts. So, in my opinion, respect the fact that without musicians, nothing happens. But rather... Um, Many, many of these moving parts saw the opportunity to heap all extra costs onto the musicians. Bottom line, we made less than we did on our previous tour 
despite the fact that people had attended the shows on that tour, um, there had been really healthy crowds, um, no pun intended, um, but the numbers were good. And that we were very thankful and grateful for that. But, but the talk among musicians, of course, was, well, you know, how did it go? How were the crowds? Were you able to earn anything? Um, all that kind of thing. And when you said to them, well, actually, we earned less, even though we had more people in many places, um, you were, by and large, traveling T-shirt salesmen. Costs cost spiraled, and if gas and petrol continue to stay at the same prices and every other cog in the wheel of touring keeps on increasing their operating prices, even the hire of a cheap enough van is more or less impossible, um, then tours, as we have seen over the last few months, will continue to be cancelled. Um, as an aside, I was involved in a high-speed crash for the first time ever, going between one gig to another. I did a small podcast thing about that. And that was um, pretty harrowing um, and put everything into a kind of sharp focus and most definitely put um, things into uh, perspective, the kind of things that, of course, that we give out and or I give out and complain about. I was using the royal we there, but I complain about on the podcast. But that put things into some sharp uh, perspective. But what we also saw over this last year was definitely a hesitancy among the public um, to come back to shows. Um, some areas were far more enthusiastic, but some cities in some areas very reluctant, very reluctant. People were scared to be in proximity of each other. It was clear um, in a confined space. That was really, really clear and understandable to a degree. So people stopped buying tickets um, for several reasons. Um, I think there's a, b a bunch of different social economic reasons at play here. But some people had just left the building. Um, they've left the scene. They're never to return. I think the 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 um, the pause that was locked down gave them time to reflect on things. And I think some people just went, you know what? This isn't for me anymore. Um, I'm just not gonna. I'm just not coming back to taking part, active part, in a scene. And they just decided that being in a packed, sweaty gig um, on a Wednesday evening or whatever else, it's just not what they want to come back to. Um, YouTube will do. And they left the scene. There was also, I think, a sort of um, hesitancy to commit. Um, committing means you buy a ticket, you spend the money, and then you kind of have to go. You've got to take the train to the city and then return. Maybe it's cold. We become very used to sitting on our couches with a glass of wine in hand. And maybe, ugh, I don't really feel like it. It's the difference between answering your phone and just sending a text. I'm going, ah, I opt out. And I think that's a kind of social, that's a very much a kind of modern social phenomenon. The um, ability to kind of never quite commit and always leave yourself the, that sort of, um, you know, escape hatch to non-committal. And I think that that's what also happened in relation to the scene and people buying tickets and people attending gigs. Um, we became used to sitting on the couch with a glass of wine in hand and maybe went, ah, I don't feel like it. So what you then happens is you lose the sense of commitment to a scene, uh, to a band and to live music. Ah, next time or ah, I'll wait till summer when the sun is shining. Um, I mean, a lot of factors that all contribute, um, they all, you know, they make sense. Um, they contribute to um, this sort of hesitancy to come back to gigs. But before I get to the financial implications, and that was before, as I said, get to the... Well, what am I talking about? Get to the financial implications as energy costs, you know, they spiraled uh, and a night out at a show took on a far greater economic cost. I mean, you won't stay in a hotel in Dublin for less than 150 euro a night. It's just not happening for you. 
Um, but Dublin um, kind of booked the trend that I heard from many, many people about many, many cities on the touring schedule and people were showing out. But some other cities, some other places, um, they were tanking. They were tanking. Maybe other people in other countries are a little bit more frugal with their money. Um, and as every band tried to get back out there to play, to make up for lost time, uh, to try and make any kind of money they could, but like I said, we are travelling t-shirt salesmen, every city, um, you know, as lockdown ended, was packed with shows. You could go to several a week, several a night, um, but, you know, people have lost their jobs and they're priori prioritising other things and entertainment um, just isn't one of those things that gets prioritised. Um, and therein lies the rub of 2022. Um, local promoters, venues, agents, small festivals struggling to survive need to sell tickets. And if no one is buying them, or a smaller percentage, how could they afford a band's flights, and let alone the fee? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And so if you're talking about small four to five hundred people um, at a winter or spring festival, you need some capital to outlay on bringing a band or two in. Bands don't generally get their own flights. But of course, in the energy crisis, sort of new world order, whatever you want to call it, flights have also gone through the roof. Are they going to come down? I would say not. Um, I would say what's going to happen is most gonna, people are going to be priced out of flying. That's another discussion, though. So... We were all, from musicians to crew, agents, promoters, venue staff, caterers, security crew, lights and sound people, were all shown very clearly how our industry could be shut down. And it reopened tentatively in 2022. Um, but I took part in a couple of, um, a few online Zoom seminars um, in, last year and it was clear 
Two-thirds of the people involved in the music industry were talking about what to pivot to, where else to turn. Should they try and get into um, AI? Should they try and get into where would they go? Because they saw that the music industry, the kind of writing was on the wall. And the few musicians and people who were there who didn't really have anything else on the table, deep down, I think they were in a much more compromised position, and I would count myself among those people. Now, of course, you need to be resourceful, and some people did try and are going to and will try and do other things, but I think we all got a view into how precarious things were, and that a simple concept like, um, and I've mentioned it before in the podcast, but let's say personal carbon footprint, um, you know, which would only allow you X amount of flights, would literally kill the live music industry, except for the biggest of the big, who will find a way around it, and very small local bands. Now, whether you agree with the concept of personal carbon footprint, it's up to you. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't have those concerns, of course, but I think we'll be far more worried about, you know, um, the Amazon or what a Chinese concrete factory is outputting or how huge multinationals trade carbon stamps, etc., and of course, me being me, what is in um, what in this conversation is about systems of control being established and using an emotive argument against people's natural empathy to implement new structures of coercion. But hey, hey, that's how I always think about everything. Curious George the gloomy as fuck monkey. Did I really say that? Anyway, I think um, during 2022, we also saw... Um, well, just to kind of just, you know, go over that a tiny bit more. Um, it remains to be seen where we will go in 20, you know, in the in the year ahead. Um, are we going to get a full festival season again? Touring, these things kind of look like settling down, but the costs and overheads have become huge. Um, but I think all of the industry was given a clear view into how easily and precarious this um, small, you know, this ecosystem can be shut down. Um, I think we saw the further demise of physical product in the music industry, and that was no surprise, really. The pandemic and lockdown also was a big booster for record labels, um, at least in the metal scene, as people who were, you know, not going anywhere, or as I alluded to earlier, had decided to opt out, uh, were not spending their money socially and on not on travel, and were buying more from mail orders. At least every underground metal label that I spoke to, and middle ground and above ground metal label I spoke to, was making a ton of money. Uh, mainly from, you know, these expensive, bespoke, fancy issues of albums. They brought in more money um, and they did really, really well. Whereas, of course, bands who were unable to tour and make anything didn't uh, do well at all. So I would expect, Nick, this year, more endless reissues of albums in boxes with all sorts of random stuff in them at high prices. Um, I mean, look, hey, if the quality is good, then why not? I mean, I almost bought, a, you know, a Motorhead Iron Fist box the other day. Did I really need it? I don't know. But this is where the money is. Um, I think in the realm of, you know, the mainstream musical culture, we saw clearly that in the modern uh, popular culture, guitars, bands, metal, uh, you know, straight white dudes singing about breaking the chains were certainly a thing of the past, of course. Um the versions of these bands from the past, um, you know, they streamed well. Led Zeppelin probably streamed well. Um, I mean, Led Zeppelin is Led Zeppelin, right? And I've just picked a top-tier example. Um, maybe Dokken was a better example. But as for younger bands, rock increasingly looked, and I think will look like an anachronism, shorn of the reasons why it was great in the first place. Does it bother us? Um, it kind of shouldn't. But certainly now and again at a show, a festival, an event, haven't you looked around and wondered where all the young people are? Um 
you know. It uh, seems our old-fashioned concept of a subculture doesn't really exist in the same way. And where does that leave us in five years? In five years or whatever, I have no idea. Uh, maybe in, you know, the sort of darkest version of the future, it won't matter, as we're all in some form of climate lockdown, unable to travel without permission from the state technocracy. Oh, Alan, come on, give us a break. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Probably not. Um, and, you know, maybe musicians will only be avatars. Uh, like I said before in a podcast, if you were eight now and in eight years you're going to be 15, 16, are you going to mind if all your favorite pop stars are avatars and the music is made by artificial intelligence? I would say probably not. Um, um, for those of us stuck in the past, we can put on our Oculus Rift glasses and watch a Motorhead show from 1979. Anyway, probably not. But didn't you sometimes feel old in 2022? Um, albums that you remember from being vivid in your memory of um, of your youth are now 30 years old. Death metal, the halicon days of death metal, which is so intrinsically linked to the vibrancy of youth and energy and rebellion and aggression and whatever else. Those albums are 30 years old. Now, of course, there's still death metal bands out there. I'm not saying that there isn't at all. And there isn't great death metal bands out there. But by and large, it's a kind of a young man's game. Um, aggressive music. And it's reached middle-aged. And certainly, when you looked around at some gigs and some festivals, you did really think, wow, this really is middle-aged and beyond. It seems to me that the only sort of resurgence or things that maybe um, younger people are interested in are probably electronic music, not really analogue guitar music in this way. And as a society, I think maybe we'll hobble from one crisis to another and cope and muddle on and fuck things up as we always did. But, you know, falling back on the human process that we do when we take part in live music, um, the truth, of course, could be something in the middle or 20% along the dial. Um, Who knows? But it is for sure that if the future is going to be, you know, sort of more, um, you know, AI involved, then there has to be a kind of um, a rebellion or a kind of movement of a percentage of people who still want to do analog living and go to festivals and go and see live bands. Of course, I'm catastrophizing a small bit because that's the nature of Agitators Anonymous. If it was something else, it would be called Asher. It'll be grand. But definitely my biggest takeaway from 2022 was um, as the scene sort of tentatively returned um, was, and it remains that the music industry as we know it is a, um, at least out in the open, is uh, is a fragile ecosystem that can easily be shut down where we are left with a myriad of difficult choices from musician to fan alike. And the carefree, you know, maybe that's not the wrong word, but if we can call it that carefree feeling of 10, 20, maybe 30 or 40, oh, look, hey, 50 years ago, um, without being too ridiculous, if you were that old and can remember, even five years ago, that kind of seems gone. Now, of course, this could be my own mind playing tricks on me, telling me things are worse than they are. And um, other things have happened socially and culturally in the past. I mean, imagine, I guess, um, and this can point to my Western mindset, how difficult it was and is for people who grew up in authoritarian regimes or countries without the infrastructure. They're sitting now listening to me going, dude, in East Germany or behind the Iron Curtain in 1989, it was fucking hard. You haven't got a clue what hard is. I would accept that. But I still think we saw clearly how little maybe the music industry or art in general kind of meant ultimately um, during lockdown and how fragile it is and how for many people, whether it existed or not, seemed to matter kind of not that much. I said it a long time in a podcast um, from time immemorial, 
a few people stood in the center of a circle and told a story to a crowd. They made drums, banged a rhythm for people to gather and move to. The theater, the theater, darling. Um, I don't really want to live in a society without the theater. And that experience, you know, physically. I may have gone, not have gone to the theater that much, but the idea was there was culturally comforting. And yet, you know, there's many closed theaters in my city now and probably closed live venues um, near you. Uh, rumors of quarter full gates when they're open, resorting to ever more commercial ventures to try and turn revenue in a city that is mercilessly uh, gentrifying and forcing up rents and closing down old culture. And that's probably happening in your city as well. But closing down analog physical spaces where people met, places where art could exist and be shown. And this is also our metal scene, our music scene. Um, you can probably see it from where you are. Local venues um, had to close, didn't reopen. So we have decisions to make about what we view as worth spending our money on and what we earn. Do we want to make things easier or more difficult for art? And the more blunt question, do we show up anymore to take part in this communion? I think the AI discussion is also very interesting. I've done a few podcasts on that recently. Um, maybe I'm late to the game. Um, I do think, and we were discussing this last night with a few friends, um, for electronic music and pop music, AI will come to a point where it's going to be able to recreate this and write those songs um, pretty seamlessly very, very soon. The Uncanny Valley, of course, could be that messy um, D-beat punk band who are playing out of time and out of tune. How is... Um, AI going to recreate that experience um, but I think for bands like some of you somebody was asking me about this band Polyphia Polyphia which is kind of like modern day Joe Satriani guitar music no I think it's horrific um, and it's perfectly designed for this modern guitar playthrough culture but it just sounds like elevator music to me um, lacking in any sort of you know uh, testosterone but people love it Whatever, I, who cares? At least it's actually people playing. But it seems to me that AI could get a handle on recreating that very soon. Um, and some of the more kind of complex tech stuff, the Archspire kind of stuff, I wonder to myself, this kind of sounds like machines playing music. Could machines learn to make that very soon? I think that's going to be a very interesting thing to keep an eye on um, next year. I mean, if you're so... Um, if you're so inclined to, you know, be interested in those kind of things. But I think definitely in three or four or five or six years, they're going to, it's going to start encroaching on all sorts of areas of the artistic world. Um, definitely creating art, creating videos, creating short movies, all those kind of things. Um, it's going to be, um, like I said before, go and look at Mid Journey and look at um, how you can create art through just typing a few sentences. Uh, a friend of mine did it and he created, uh, I would say, 10 pieces of art that are better than 98% of all metal modern album or modern, modern metal album covers um, just in a week. Um, and he would not mind me saying that um, he's, uh, you know, not that talented with a paintbrush and, <laughs> and um, you know, physical art. He wasn't a man who sat at his easel painting, but certainly his mid-journey landscapes were something to behold. So I do think that the the whole kind of music industry and the metal scene is making has made last year made tentative steps back to where it was. I don't think it'll ever quite get back to where it was five or ten years ago. Um, it doesn't quite feel the same. It feels like the um, the box has been damaged and can't quite be returned to the past. Um, as I think many of the agents of um, power and influence don't quite wish it to return to the past, so to speak. 
But it's not all doom and gloom, of course. I mean, it really isn't. I mean, the fact that, you know, touring came back and bands were still able to get out there and do their thing. Um, I think the onus is really kind of... There's, there's an endless slew of bands, as I said at the start of the podcast. Um, so much new music out there. The onus is really now on, I think, um, the listener, the fan, trying to get out there to see those bands when they play, um, to try and figure out and sort of proportion... Um, proportionalize is that a word? Proportionalize what going to see a band or taking active part in your local scene means because, and I said this during the pandemic and lockdown, local scenes local venues, local bars that do actually represent counterculture as we knew it, um, being that little bit older, I don't think counterculture represents quite the same thing to uh, say a young teenager or a middle teenager now, but as we knew it need our patronage or else they are going to disappear. And very soon, the kind of gentrification that's just sweeping through every major city in the West and most likely beyond is just going to engulf everything until everywhere you go just has the same bland dance electronic music uh, with some barista of a DJ, um, you know, with sort of background music to people taking Instagram stories and making TikTok dance, whatever the fuck is going on. But certainly, um, this next year ahead is going to require uh, some active... Um, participation in whatever subculture you've decided to. However that may be, is up to you. One thing that struck me uh, last year, maybe it's because of my, uh, you know, my big mouth or whatever that, but certainly I was struck by the level of conformity um, in, uh, eh, you know, not hugely, but a level of conformity in the metal scene. A small but vocal minority um, who kind of influence sometimes the narrative on message boards talking shit about, you know, people or me, for example, calling me this and that. Of course, some other folk would stand up for me and going proof of what exactly have I said? None was particularly forthcoming but to be clear, and I don't, you know, Google myself or anything, but I have my spies out there watching. I mean, as I talked about on the podcast, um, fear and the propaganda behind it are powerful social engines and the impulse to not want to hear another take on things because you've been emotionally, in my opinion, manipulated is very strong. But what I found most disturbing was the amount of people, including many in big bands in the metal scene, uh, who were willing to wade into the debate up to their neck without really thinking about what they were saying, um, who couldn't kind of take a step back from the debate and consider and consider this. Um, to themselves, I'm seems like I'm on the side of the f- same side of the fence as big pharma, as the state, police, social media platforms, um, censorship and their manifestos, multinational corporations, munitions companies, billionaire philanthropists, GMOs, CEOs, oligarchs. Hmm. Did they stop to think? It seems I'm on the same side as the interests of the rich and powerful, and to think. Is that correct? Is that the correct side of things to be? Um, You know, this lack of self-awareness, I guess, is what disturbed me the most. The relative um, ability to introspect and wonder, um, what is the rational, sceptical position here and who am I aligned with? I remember years ago having a conversation with a friend and we're talking about, um, you know, Iraq and Middle East politics. And I remember saying to him, you know, I hate to be this guy, but it seems like the way you're looking at it, you're standing on the same side of the fence as Tony Blair and George Bush. Um, Could that be right? And we both wondered about that. And 
sometimes my point is it's good to re-examine, to try and, um, you know, like I said, skepticism is the only rational perspective on things. But many, many people within the metal seem to seem to be, you know, um, vassals for the interests of the rich and powerful. Now, to be fair, you can level, You maybe some of you could level the same things against me. And I've often said here on the podcast, yep, you might have some points. Uh, like it or not, we are played by our algorithms. And I've said many times, it's a percentages game. My opinions on things are not absolutes. Um, they're open to discussion or debate or change. Um, and the things um, that I discuss here might not happen. They might collapse under the weight of civil bureaucracy and we won't get digital IDs by October 2023 or we won't get all of the things, carbon footprints. And, you know, we might get variations of a theme, though. Um or I might have lost a portion of my mind. All three can be true at the same time. But I was genuinely, genuinely quite disturbed at the amount of people um, within our scene, within our subculture, you know, which lays claim to um, rebellious opinions or lays claiming, and I'm including punks here as well, lays claim to being counterculture, at least counter the mainstream narrative, or at least to want to or wish to hold power to account, and that power being the instruments of state and institutions of technocracy or multinationals, multinational corporations, genocide of the starving nations, right? Little napalm death there for you. Um, little shout out to Lee Darian's social conscience, which, you know, we all took on board in the late 80s. But the idea that you were siding, you know, standing on the same side of the fence um, as some very dark elements within society, I would have thought would have um, given some people more opportunity to question their stance therein. But like I said, I was quite, um, I wouldn't say disturbed, but I expected it, but quite, mm, you know, I see at the amount of people willing to shout you down for asking questions, call you this or that, in, you know, and then when asked over exactly what, couldn't really say. Only the fact that you had the temerity to question things was enough. And often, and as for some of these band members, I offered to debate a few, and no one ever took me up on that one. I digress, I digress, as always. Is that a big deal? I think it kind of is something of a deal. It, again, appeals to the polarization, the binary choice, the emotionally charged binary choice of these arguments which we are handed, that I think are propagandized through fear and manipulation in order for us to silo off against each other and face off against each other. Um, but here in Agitators Anonymous, I stand for, you know, the politically homeless and try and hold some of the middle ground. Too much caffeine, too much caffeine, my friends. So what are my predictions for the coming year ahead? I think we're just going to keep seeing tons of bands out there making um, lots of music. Um, I think we've all got to try and make more time to um to absorb and to take in more music because there is so much good stuff out there it's not like that there's a sort of you know a creative dearth or a barren wasteland out there with at the heart of the scene i'm not talking about mainstream metal i'm not I couldn't care less really about that but within the underground there's so much good stuff out there and um, that i think has fallen by the wayside at least it has been falling by my own particular wayside and i'm going to try and and redress that and throw out some of the trivial things that can obsess my um, attention span and get back to trying to take part in the analog process of um, devoting my brain uh, to music more. I think that 
the um, the spiraling costs of touring and traveling are not going to go down next year. I think that's pretty clear. Um, if you remember when the Icelandic volcano happened, um, an awful lot of airlines just upped their prices and they didn't really seem to come down. I think a couple of hubs here and there uh, will remain open and relatively cheap. But I think I don't think the prices of things are going to come down uh, to a place where we knew four or five years ago. I think this will be a kind of new normal, if you want, and it's going to price an awful lot of um, bands and people out of things. And I would I would appeal to people involved in <clears throat> within the industry who want to try and claw back some of that um, the money that was lost uh, by you know overcharging for tickets for. Um, you know, uh, hiring of instruments, hiring of backline, drinks in the venues, all these kind of things which are just going up and up and up and up. I think they have to realise that it's a short-term solution that in the long term will just kill off scenes as people will just be priced out of going or being able to take part in things. So I think we need um, to try and, as all the moving parts within the scene, try and be a little, be a little bit more... Um, understanding of our place within that ecosystem but it's going to be a very difficult road and a difficult road ahead um but here's to a um a great year ahead with a lot of great music let's um hope traveling or and touring isn't disrupted let's hope we have great festival season ahead in the metal scene um and you know fill it with a little bit of optimism because the place where my head was at mm, two years ago um you know, it's different. And there are um, genuinely positive prospects ahead, at least in terms of the music industry. Um, and those prospects, I think, are, you know, the full return of the ability to get in a room together and go and see music. Without that, none of it really exists, if you ask me. Anyway, Agitators Anonymous, episode 141, my friends. Um, go over to my YouTube show, or YouTube show, YouTube channel, and you can see some cool drunken chats I do with Joe from Gamma Bomb, all that kind of thing. I'm going to try and have some more new guests on the podcast. I will t consider doing a few podcasts um, to video, but to video, what, whatever, you know what I mean. Anyway, anyway, Aylan Kill, my friends, um, we'll see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 